In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Ten Commandments that we just heard Ashley read from our reading from Exodus uh, in our service today, it, I like to think of it like the preamble to the covenant God makes with Israel to his chosen people. I'd like to think of it as the sort of tiny uh, box that you check at the end of a web page, confirming that you agree to all the terms and conditions that came before. These are the 10 terms and conditions of being one of God's chosen people in the days of Exodus. It might seem simple enough, but if we're honest with ourselves, the Ten Commandments are a literal read it and weep type of statement. We read the list of commandments, and as our eyes slide down the page, we get increasingly anxious considering all of these shalt and shalt nots. And that's what this brief sermon is about. It's about one particular and powerful shout that stirs up tribulation in even the most pious among us. And that's the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. If hearing me say honor your father and mother makes you feel a little bit nervous, I think it sort of should. And I think that this sermon is for you. And I think that this sermon is hopefully for all of us. And it's a sermon that I'm a little bit nervous to preach um, because it's a topic that I don't hear people talk about much. And I think that's because it's a difficult topic to talk about. It's one that touches each and every one of us. Uh, but I think it's one that we need to talk about because it's one, it's a part of our lives in which we need a lot of grace. And so let's start with this question. Why is it uh, difficult to honor our parents? Why are so many of our relationships with and around our parents just so hard? For some of us, it's simple and clear why tension and resentment describe the way we feel about our parents, while other of us are only beginning to process things after 40 or 50 years of meeting with a therapist. Or maybe your parents are absent, literally or figuratively. Maybe your parents and the fact that you're way too much like them is the thing that's creating a wedge or division in your family or in your marriage. Maybe you resent your parents for turning you into the person that you are today, and that's not someone that you like very much. Or maybe all of this sounds really foreign to you. Perhaps you're fortunate enough to be able to think fondly of your loving and present and active parents, but even you are beginning to shift in your seat just a little bit as you think about this commandment. Because whether being told to honor your father or your mother is difficult, because you can't stand to be in the same room with them, or because you worry that you can't possibly live up to the standard and expectation to love them as well as they loved you. Think of Thanksgiving and Christmas, family birthdays. They better be as perfect as they were when they were at mom and dad's. That's the least that I can do now that I'm hosting them. These are the anxieties that we might feel when we feel a deep love and respect for our parents, but the anxiety from this fifth commandment is still there in those relationships. We all feel pretty dishonorable under the spotlight of the fifth commandment. In one way or another, this is hard for all of us, I'm certain. A couple of weeks ago, I had a little bit of an out-of-body experience, I would say. I was... Uh, 
I was traveling around town trying to find somewhere to find someone to help me replace the battery in Courtney's car. It had died and I was traveling around trying to buy a new car battery. And I was also trying to find someone who could help me, who didn't know how and didn't want to learn how to replace the car battery. And, and so I, after trying four or five stops and pretty feeling pretty defeated, I just pulled into a, a car garage, like a Meineke and they uh, went to work on the car. And I was sitting outside, um, afraid of sitting inside. And I was sitting outside on the curb and I pulled out a book, um, this book right here. And it's called The World's Largest Man. It's by Harrison Scott Key. And it's, uh, it's a fantastic book. And it's a fantastic book that led me to have this sort of out-of-body experience. Because as I sat there reading this book by Harrison Scott Key, it's a book uh, that recounts his Mississippi childhood in which he felt out of place in his home. And particularly out of place in his relationship with his father, who was a man, as he writes, who was better suited to living in a remote frontier wilderness of the 19th century than contemporary America with all its progressive ideas and paved roads and lack of armed duels. It's a great story about man, uh, this man trying to make sense of the man his father failed and succeeded in making him to be, a hunter, a handyman, a real man. There I was reading this book as another man worked on my wife's car. Uh, but this book is so funny and so profound. He is a humorist. Um, but this quote that I have and want to read uh, to you today, it's not particularly funny. It's really one that cuts deep into the dynamic between him and his father. And, and it speaks... Uh, into the difficulty of this relationship of trying to trying to honor and just trying to love our, our parents. Um, Key says this, maybe all this time, maybe what I've wanted to know is this, was I a good son? I did everything he'd ever asked me to do, shot things, hooked things, cleaned and hit and tackled and mauled and murdered and burned so much flesh and flora, worlds of blood and dirt. When I was little, I thought I'd love this stuff. And when I was a little older, I thought I could learn to love it. And when I was old enough to be a young man, I knew, no. I know it hurt him to see me quit football, then baseball, then the church he'd raised me in, to bury everything he'd given me, the hunting, the fishing, and fighting, and foolish ways of a certain kind of Southern man that I both am and am not. And I wanted to hate him for it. And I guess what? I did. Like so many boys, I found myself believing my father to be a monster who refused to respond and change and grow. That's why I left home and why I left him. And I won't give away what happens in their relationship towards the end of the book, but what a really... Uh, a gut check of sorts of just describing how hard it can be to, uh, to love and, and to honor our parents. In the fifth commandment, it does show us who we aren't in a way. It shows us that we aren't perfect children. 
And we often don't find ourselves to be able to honor and love our parents as we should or we'd like to. The real or the perceived expectations of who we should be prove to be too heavy and we either give up and we stop calling our parents or we push back and we start shouting at them. The irony is that it's the presence of the law in the child-parent relationship, the presence of commandment, expectations, and judgment that so often can make it so difficult for us to fulfill the fifth commandment itself, to honor our mother and father. But into what can feel like a pretty dark stalemate does come the grace of God. Into what feels like a waiting game, waiting for your parent or your child to be the one to make the first move, waiting for the other to forgive and to love first. Into this waiting game of sorts breaks in the grace of God. And I want to mention two ways that it does. The first is relatively simple, and it's simply the gospel's powerful ability to call a thing what it actually is and what it actually isn't. If the Ten Commandments show us who we're supposed to be, I think they do an even better job in a way of showing us who we aren't. The Fifth Commandment shows us who we aren't, but it also shows us who our parents aren't as well. They too are imperfect children, screwed up by absent and overbearing parents, just like their parents and their parents before them. Just think about Noah passed out drunk in front of his son Ham, or Laban tricking his son-in-law Jacob into sleeping with the wrong daughter, Isaac and Rebekah pitting their favorite sons against one another. Or for goodness sakes, just think about Abraham, who was just seconds away from murdering his son Isaac. These are just a few examples from the very first book of the Bible. The law convicts all of us, every one of us. It leaves no room for boasting in ourselves and how well we're sticking to God's terms and conditions. Instead, it names us broken and needy, just like our parents. And then as we lay on our backs, having just had our legs kicked out from under us by the law, our eyes lifted up to the sky where we hear the word of grace, that we, that all of us, are God's beloved children. The law of the fifth commandment opens us up to our need for the grace that could only come from God the Father. The grace that puts an end to shame and judgment, heals resentments, and restores us to new life. And this is the second way that I think grace breaks in. As Paul Zoll writes about the power of grace to bring about compassion and reconciliation, he says this, under grace, you begin to see your family in its true colors. You begin to love them as they are meant to be loved. And they're meant to be loved as human beings, not as non-negotiable absolutes. Parents can begin to love their children, not as extensions of themselves and their own lack of success, or as compensations for what they did not receive and did not achieve, but as very rich gifts to be handled with extreme care and then handed back. Children can begin to love their parents as flesh and blood, as the fallible men and women they really are. Honor your father and mother. It sounds hard. It is hard. 
There once was a father and a son who were able to do this. And so well, in fact, that they loved each other to death on a cross. But that love was ultimately an act of love given as a gift to you and me. Children unable to love as perfectly as we'd like. And that gift for children who are simply lost, who are deep down children, regardless of age, children who need to be forgiven and loved before we can offer much love and forgiveness on our own. To us floundering breakers of the fifth commandment that we are, this gift of love has come. And the good news is that we don't have to wait for this love to come like a sad child waiting for his mother to arrive to bring your mom to school day, knowing full well that she's forgotten. No, we don't have to wait because the blood that is truly thicker than water has already been spilled. That blood has already washed you clean and your father in heaven has already looked upon you and claimed you, you of all people, as his beloved own child, forever. Amen.